Welcome to Redeemer Radio Features. Stories, interviews, and conversations from Northern Indiana. This is Kyle Hyman, and I am here in the offices of Father Dr. President Eric Zimmer. Thank you for having me back in your office here. Uh, Thanks, Kyle. Glad to be with you. It's changed a little bit in the past year since uh, about a year ago, we were meeting, trying some different salsas. You've turned this into a lounge area now. Yes. I think it's more conducive to conversation. Uh And I use the back office for my personal work. Yeah. I also have this room back here where, where you can see over my shoulder. I think it was a dressing room for Mrs. Bass. Okay. <laughs> and where we are now was the bedroom for Mr. and Mrs. Bass, not uh-huh. to be confused with the bedroom for Mr. Bass, which is now my <laughs> office right next door. But on the other side, we have this dressing room. And in there, we've got a little table and some chairs for post-COVID luncheons and such. Okay. Right now, it's covered with some books. I'm sorting through the library that I inherited. But Okay. For those so, unfamiliar, the offices here are converted from a fairly substantial mansion, the Bass Mansion. Yes, this is uh, the Bass Mansion, now called Brookside Manor, Uh I think which may have dated back to the time when the Basses were actually here. There is no brook anymore. There is Mirror Lake, which I think at one point before all the development here over the last 120 or 130 years, there was a brook here. But Okay. Uh, Mr. Bass dammed it and he dredged out an area to make a lake, which I have been told from an aerial view was originally in the shape of a bee for bass. Oh, okay. I don't know that that's necessarily the case still, but Uh (laughs) I suppose you could kind of get a bee out of that. So have you gotten many bike rides in over the past year? I've gotten some. I just haven't had the time to get to know the area. And I find that I'll tend to go out for half an hour, then come back for half an hour, which isn't nearly as fun as doing some sort of loop, but it'll come. Yeah. It'll come. I've also been able to go out kayaking a couple of times uh, here on Mirror Lake, which I don't don't recommend. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's, uh, it is, so it takes the the rainwater from the subdivision north of us and that all gets filtered through this lake so it's beautiful looking it's Uh not beautiful to be in (laughs) okay fair enough going back a year ago you were just starting your first year here as president i imagine when you agreed to take this position you had no idea what you were getting into with probably one of the weirdest first years you could have possibly had as a president with COVID and everything. Looking back at the past year, what have been some of the highlights for you? There have been challenges, but we've met those. But I think to put in perspective, it's not as if someone can say, you know, the last pandemic that we had, we did a a lot better. Right. (laughs) So there's no point of comparison. Yeah. And everyone's kind of in the same boat. Mm -hmm. So our enrollment coming into this past year was strong. It was stronger than the year before, which Hmm. might come as a surprise because a lot of my colleagues at other universities simply budgeted for 10, 15, 20% drop in enrollment. And we did not have that. Wow. You know, one of the challenges this past year is that we, terms of enrollment, we have not been able to go out and visit high schools. They're all in lockdown and 
So a lot of students wouldn't necessarily be coming to visit our campus either. Mm -hmm. We had some visits, but not as much as we normally would. And a lot of the sporting events were altered in some measure. Our football season was moved from the fall to the spring. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I announced at my inauguration was that the sisters, when they asked me to be president here, they asked me to re-emphasize the Catholic nature of the institution. And so right. we've initiated some programs in order to do that. So we started up the Catholic Foundation Scholarship Fund with an initial pledge of $50,000. And since then, our numbers on that fund are approaching a quarter million dollars. Hmm. That scholarship fund is specifically for Catholic students at USF that have the recommendation of their parish priest. So okay. it's not enough just to be Catholic in name, but you have to be active in your local parish in order to get that scholarship. And my hope is that that scholarship will grow into the millions, if not the tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, we are reemphasizing our common core to focus on the Catholic identity of the institution, especially in the Franciscan tradition. And we are looking more specifically at hiring for mission. So what does that mean? Hiring for mission, so to be more specific, is to be very clear that we are seeking people to be partners in this mission. So mm -hmm. for example, when I arrived in our institutional advancement office, there were several open positions, including the vice president's position, mm -hmm. the director of development position, and the major gifts officer position. We started doing searches for those, and we did national searches, and we made it clear in the job description that we were either seeking specifically a Catholic candidate, or we were going to have a strong preference for a Catholic candidate. Okay. So we are very clear about what we wanted, and we got three great people to fill those roles. When we look at other types of positions, we're looking at the same type of issues. And when looking at faculty members, we have conversations about whether they are willing to commit themselves to the Catholic mission of the institution. Mm -hmm. Those are some things. Maybe one other item that we're looking at is all universities these days are looking at what we call a demographic cliff. In 2025, the graduation classes from high schools throughout the Midwest, really across the country, are going to peak. And then after that, they're going to decline precipitously. We know this. This has been building for, for years. And we recognize that in order for us to thrive as an institution generally and specifically as a Catholic institution, we have to be much more proactive in committing ourselves to our mission. Our student body cannot look like some generic institution. Hmm. It's got to be specific to a Catholic institution. So one of the things that I inherited was a population that was only 30% Catholic. Mm -hmm. And people hear that and they're surprised at that. And there is that issue that if your students are not Catholic and our faculty is roughly 40% Catholic, okay. it's not different than, let's say, Purdue-Fort Wayne mm -hmm. or Ivy Tech 
then I have to ask, why am I committing myself to this? And why am I asking other people to commit themselves to it? So we want to be a place where the faith is exemplified and we are publicly committed to that. And it's hard to do that if you don't have Catholic students mm -hmm. or you know, more than a certain minimum. So I've set up a series of scholarships for Catholic students from Catholic high schools in neighboring states and large metropolitan areas. So uh -huh. if you trace a line from Detroit through Ohio down to Louisville, for example, uh -huh. uh, you get 18 all boys Catholic high schools. Oh, wow. And I should say we're also 30% male. So 30%? We're 30% okay. male and 30% Catholic. Okay. And so we're going to be giving some scholarships to these schools or to an individual from these schools with the idea that we'll start a long-term kind of flow from these schools here. So these scholarships are only available for Catholic graduates of these Catholic boys' high schools. And in offering these scholarships, this is initial foray. We'll do other types of scholarships as well. But as an example of one of the things that we're doing, if I get 15 Catholic male students coming from outside Fort Wayne, I move my Catholic population by five percentage points. Hmm. And I move my male population by five percentage points. It's a very strategic scholarship program. And this is in no way to diminish any other group, but I think that we become more attractive as a Catholic institution when we have a closer to 50% Catholic population and we have a good mix of male and female students. So it's one of the initiatives that I'm doing, where there are many other initiatives as well. Mm -hmm. I should say, since we talked last, I hired a full-time Catholic chaplain, Father John Sheehan of the Society of Jesus came to us from New York City. He's allowed us to have daily masses in our close to new chapel. Mm -hmm. And before we were relying on uh, having priests for neighboring parishes come in to say a mass on Monday through Friday, now we have masses seven days a week, uh, courtesy of his presence. So these are you know some things that we're looking at and... I'm very excited to say that our enrollment for the coming year is well ahead of projections. Hmm. And so we're very happy with that. And we hope that that will continue and that uh, we'll have a very a full class here next year. My general hope is that we will be able to increase in size through our various programs. And so we constantly look for areas in which we can excel and we can offer that other institutions are not offering. And so uh, we can offer to incoming students, our current students, programs that are specific to the University of St. Francis that, in which we put our imprint. And so, for example, our nursing students, when they get out into the workforce, they are not only very well trained, but they have that USF mark on them in terms of their empathy, their commitment to mission that comes from their experience here at USF. Mm -hmm. If you're just joining us, I'm Kyle Hyman, chatting with Father Zimmer, the president of the University of St. Francis. And you talked about these different Catholic faculty and, and staff that are coming in, but not lacking diversity. It sounds like 
Is that something intentionally that you're looking for people from different cultures and backgrounds and experiences, not just all over the United States, but all over the world? Certainly we, we don't have historically, we don't have a lot of experience with diversity across the globe, mm-hmm. but I think we're certainly looking at that because as an example, we have a new soccer coach, Jake Essig, and he has brought to us players from a good number of countries. I think before he came, we had some players, some students from Mexico and from Canada. But looking forward, I believe he's bringing in people from England, from Germany, from one or two other places in South America. Now, this is you know soccer players, so this sure. is kind of an, an interesting target. But certainly, when I think about diversity, there's a lot of ways to think of diversity. And I think all too often, we think of it too narrowly, which seems odd. But we become stronger through having a diverse community here. We mm-hmm. learn from people who are somewhat different from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, that I have experienced in my life. Sometimes we don't know what we believe ourselves until we talk to somebody who's a little different. Mm-hmm. And we have to evaluate our presuppositions. Why is it that I think a certain way? when I've got a friend who thinks of it in a different way. Yeah. One of the challenges I think here in the United States these days is people are afraid of meeting somebody who's different than they are uh-huh. for fear that something ha- will happen that they can't control. So when on university campus, our students come here to learn things that they did not otherwise know. So now at the same time, when I think about the Catholic population internationally, the Catholic population internationally includes people from all walks of life, all kinds of socioeconomic levels, sure. different cultural or ethnic backgrounds. So I think that we can think of diversity in, in a kind of a Catholic sense. Somebody from different cultures, different language groups, different part, different continents or different countries, but still all professing faith in Jesus Christ as, as Catholics, as Christians. And so, you know, at the same time, we do have people who are not of the Christian faith here. Although I would say, you know, it's essentially here in Fort Wayne, it's most people are Christian. Mm-hmm. So, you might meet somebody who's Christian, but not Catholic. Sure. But, you know, contrast to maybe Detroit, where I'm from, where there's a large Muslim population. I think we learn by meeting people who are different than we are mm-hmm. and to recognize our common humanity, that we are all children of God and that we all came from someplace else. So, I mean, as I think we talked last summer, I'm the child of immigrants, mm-hmm. and that always makes me sensitive to people who might not feel that they are exactly in the mainstream, mm-hmm. even though when I was growing up, I had blonde hair and uh, a kind of bluish eyes, but my mother's native language was not English. Mm-hmm. That showed. I think today we have this idea that the immigrants don't have blonde hair and blue eyes, but Fact is, we were all immigrants at some point. Right. 
no matter what our skin color was or our religion or our eye color. Sure. So one of the things that you mentioned with the nursing students going out, it's not just that they have a nursing degree, but that they take with them what they've learned from the University of St. Francis, the Franciscan values. How do you see a Catholic education specifically from the University of St. Francis as being different than what people might get from a state school or a community college? Certainly one of the things that we can do that a state institution cannot do is talk about the values that we share front and center. On one level, the Franciscan values that we espouse, they could be espoused by, and they are espoused by many other people on this planet who are not in the Franciscan tradition, not in the Catholic tradition, and so on. But at the same time, these are things that we very freely talk about in our contexts. When you know, we can have a class that begins with a prayer. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in a public institution. Mm-hmm. You can't do it in most private institutions. Mm-hmm. I remember an incident where having grown up for myself in a kind of a Catholic ghetto, I went off to the University of Chicago, which is a, a secular institution. Uh-huh. And I made some reference to Catholic social teaching in some paper I wrote as a first year student there. Uh-huh. And the professor uh, wrote, he said, this is, this is all well and good, but it's not appropriate for this space. Huh. You can't rely on these references in this context. You have to argue from something else, mm-hmm. which was kind of an experience for me coming out of a, that Catholic environment. And certainly not that we look for appeals to authority necessarily. We do focus on both faith and reason here. Mm-hmm. But it's a place where we can talk about our values in such a way that they are part of the conversation. And that, I think, strengthens us because nearly everyone that you, we encounter has some faith component in their lives. There are some people who don't, of course, but most people do, mm-hmm. even if they might not practice a particular religion they will still profess a belief in God. And so if they come here to USF and we begin our meetings and our classes with prayers, they recognize that's part of what we do. Sure. And I think on top of that, we talk about, you know, our Catholic values of this year, the the Franciscan value is, is focusing on the dignity of the human person. So in our Catholic sensibility, we talk about sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. And so this is our consistency where, where that's not something that you're going to hear necessarily in other settings. And how does all that contribute to making the graduate a better employee or, or worker? Well, perhaps the, the best answer is to talk with people at Parkview Health or Lutheran or any of the other places that our graduates go to. Mm -hmm. But there is certainly the feedback that I get is that they would much rather hire a USF graduate than a graduate from another institution because of what they learn here. And it's both the competence that they gain. Certainly Mm -hmm. our nursing program regularly has 100% pass rate on the first round of what they call the 
NCLEX. Oh, wow. Don't ask me what NCLEX stands for, but it's, it's the national, <laughs> it's the national exam for nursing. Sure. So, you know, other schools will say, well, we have, a you know, 70% pass rate or 80% pass rate. We have a hundred percent in most years. And so there's that higher level of competence, but also that greater sense of empathy and commitment to the mission. And so even if they are Catholic or not, that they are conversant in the values that we espouse and that I think most people like to have as part of their lives. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I've often heard it said that a priest gets assigned a new parish first year, take it easy. Don't make a whole lot of changes. Don't rock the boat, kind of get your you know, feet wet, just get a sense of the, the parish before you make big changes. Did you feel restricted in your first year as, as president here that you, that you shouldn't make any big changes? Well, it's a COVID year. Yeah. <laughs> so did that just that, throw that, everything that, out the window? You can do whatever you want? Well, first off, that's not part of my makeup. Okay. <laughs> that's not part of my makeup. And uh -huh. I think part of it is, in the words of a, a doctor friend from my business school days, he was brought in to do patient, call it patient security or some such thing for for some health system. And when he did what he was hired to do, they, they said, thank you very much. And he had to find a new, new job. Uh -huh. And his line uh, was, if you're going to pick up a knife like me, you better know what you want to cut, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great line. <laughs> and so, you know, the sisters hired me and they said that they wanted me to focus on certain things. And that you don't do that by sitting back. Yeah. You do that by assessing things and making changes quickly. So that meant changing some job descriptions. That meant hiring this new vice president and, mm -hmm. and splitting another vice president job into two and then hiring somebody for one of the jobs that was split off. That meant setting up this scholarship program, the mm -hmm. Catholic Foundation Scholarship Program. And I should say to your listeners, if they would like to donate to that program to help us become more Catholic, we're more than willing to receive those checks or pledges. Okay. So, so you're, you're, not, uh, you're not turning any checks away? I am not. <laughs> okay. I am okay. not. At least not, you know, assuming that they're made in, in good faith. Sure. So <laughs> in order for me to have an increased number of Catholic students here, I need scholarship money. I'm hiring for mission. I'm making some changes in the higher levels of the administration. We are looking at a, a major campus redesign. We had a contest in the spring semester. It was called Vision 2050 about if money were no object, what could we make this campus look like? And we had a good number of entries and we chose one one winner and then two honorable mentions. Uh -huh. And we show these on our website. You can look that for Vision 2050 on our website. And a lot of what we've done here has been kind of organic. And I want to think a little bit more structurally about what would it be like if we were a school twice the size that we are now. Mm -hmm. And I say that because we need to grow just in terms of stability. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do that. But it's important for us to think about being a 
campus where most of the students live on campus, whereas right now, as I said, most of the students are commuters. Mm -hmm. If we have our students living on campus, the students have a better overall experience because they participate in things sure. 24 hours a day, not just when they come to class and then maybe grab a sandwich, then leave for their part-time job or maybe their full-time job. And it builds community it amongst builds the students, community. amongst faculty. Exactly. Yeah. We want to be a place that is transformative for our students. And as a school that is mostly commuter right now, it's hard for us to be as transformative as we would like. Mm -hmm. The tendency is for our students to see us in a more transactional sense. They pay their money, they take their classes, they go off on their lives, they, they get their diploma and their degree in whatever area, and it was nice, and you know they got a nice degree, but we want them to be thinking of USF as their home. Mm -hmm. And their home, not just for their years here, but long-term as well. And that's hard to do if they're simply taking classes here. Right now, part of our campus is more transformative, those who, you know, the students who live on campus, but part of it is less transformative or transactional. And I want to move away from that transactional. I want to move to the transformative. And that means having more students live on campus. That's going to mean building up more residence halls. We're looking at a student center where students could find a lot of life on campus that might have the different things that attract students to an institution that's, that's a destination, not simply a, a means to an end. Sure. Well, for people that want to support the cause, what's the best way for them to do that? If they come to www.sf.edu, they can find a, a link to click on and to donate online, or they can find the phone number there to call in if they'd like to speak to a person. So those are the ways to do that. And of course, uh, we're always looking for people to endow scholarships, perhaps in the name of a loved one. We're also looking for people who might want to make us part of their heritage through a planned gift in their will. So all these things mm -hmm. are possible, but perhaps the best way to start would be at our website, www.sf.edu. And for a student or potential transfer that is interested in you know, looking into the University of St. Francis, what would you direct them to? Same website, sf.edu, www.sf.edu. And there's a link there to apply or to get more information. Very good. And come over for a campus tour. I imagine you can schedule that if they want to. Yes, absolutely. We have a welcome center that is on the north side of Spring Street, right across from my office, right across from Brookside Manor. As Big Science says, welcome center on there. And that's a good place if you're in the area to drop by. All right. Well, again, that's sf.edu is the website. Find more information. Stop by. Beautiful campus. And I'm really excited for what you've already done and what you have planned for the future. So thank you, Father Zimmer, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kyle, for having me. God bless. You've been listening to Redeemer Radio Features. For this episode and more like it, visit RedeemerRadio.com 
or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. 